Good morning. I'm Trudy Paul. I'm the associate pastor here. Uh, if you're visiting with us this morning, welcome. And if you're a regular visitor, we are so glad you are here. Uh, I'm, uh, if you were here a couple of weeks ago, uh, Pastor Forrest said that he was standing in for me, jokingly. Well, this morning I'm standing in for Pastor Forrest, and that ain't no joke, okay? He is ill, and it came on quite suddenly, and so we'll worship together and pray that he gets better. I'd like to read the scripture to you this morning. Before I do, I would like for us to pray. Our gracious God, thank you for your word. Thank you for what it says to us this day. Help us to take it into our spiritual ears, into our hearts, that we can serve you and know you better. In Christ's name, amen. The scripture coming from Matthew 6 verses that we have 19 through 34 about treasures. This may make you a little uncomfortable hearing about this sermon this morning. It made me a little uncomfortable for more than one reason writing it. And when we get to this, uh, but we all, including myself, need to hear it. Do not store up treasures for yourself on earth where moth and rust consume and where their thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp unto the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light is in you, darkness, how great is that darkness. No one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Do not worry. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air and they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you by worrying add one single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God clothed, so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? Or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things, and indeed your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you as well. 
So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow brings enough worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. From several reports, says people, many of us do, and most, well, let's just say one out of four is what the report says, has money on our minds all the time, and we think about money in some distinction all day long. Now, if, if you're younger, they say most of them spend their time thinking about their love life, and if you're a senior or older, then you start thinking about your health. Perhaps that's true. Now, we're concerned about a lot of things and individually, first of all, about money. Making ends meet, sticking to a budget, planning for retirement, managing debt, handling investments, if you have them. And if you watch the stock market, don't worry. You know, we live in Corpus Christi, Texas, which I've been told... For the pay scale in Corpus, it's rather an expensive city. Electricity is expensive. Housing is expensive. Taxes are expensive. Gasoline, particularly, groceries have been skyrocketing. And things are going up, up, up in this city. And we're all concerned about those things. How far will the dollar stretch? So we need to talk about money. It's always on our minds. And by the fact uh, that you live here, uh, it's a hot issue as well as your, as your life as well. What may be surprising to you, it's not a new issue. Obviously, it's in the Word of God. It's not an issue. Jesus dealt with that. So that tells us the Bible is really relative for today, which we believe all of it is, but particularly money has always been a problem because the people may have been different, the culture may be different, economics may be different than the currents, but the problem being still the same. There's not too much difference with us. They face the problems to how to deal with money and how to deal with anxiety about money. I would like to see, and I'll be my first to raise my hand, how many of you ever had anxiety about money? Okay, yeah. We trust that bank account, don't we? We like to look at the numbers in the savings or in investments or in our checkbooks. Makes it feel pretty good. Makes it feel really independent, doesn't it? Till it's way down there and we think, what are we going to do? We're not independent at that time. Two questions on how we'll deal with money and how we deal with anxiety. And this, uh, in this passage, it tells us, this long passage, tells us that Jesus answers both of these questions for us. And as he answers these questions, now, Jesus is not against having treasures, He's not against us having money. He just is concerned about our treasures are and where they are and our investments are. So in verses 19 through 24, he presents us with this 
stark choices. You've got to decide between God and money. You have to make a choice. I have to make a choice. In other words, he gives us three pairs that says that we have to choose one or the other. Number one, two treasures. Choose money or choose heaven. Two perspectives, a bad eye or a good eye. Two masters serving money or serving God. It's very interesting, I'd like to think, we that we could end up someplace in the middle. Have you ever thought that? I, I can do both. I can do both. But Jesus says, we can't. We can't. In the scripture, Matthew 6, 19 through 21 says, Do not lay up yourselves treasures on earth. And you heard the scripture where moth and rust destroy. Where everything is destroyed. Don't lay up those treasures. And here's what he's saying. You have a choice to make with money and possessions or whether you value God. We have a choice. One is going to be an ultimate allegiance. It's very easy to treasure money. It brings us a lot of things and a lot of happiness. Did you ever envy someone if had? I don't, have, I don't particularly think I ever envied, but I sure have seen things I wanted that I couldn't afford. But then we stop to think. According to Jesus, laying up treasures for our lives in heaven is living well. That might be hard to explain to us sometimes during our life. Why not? Jesus says money gives us options. When we have a lot of those bills, I mean dollar bills, 20s, 100s, thousands, whatever it be. We feel self-sufficient, do we not? There's one major problem with all that money. It is all human money is susceptible to decay. Okay. It can be, it can be stolen. It can be destruction. Living here in Corpus Christi, this beautiful sparkling city by the sea, but one, one, Tornado can come through and wipe out everything we have and take everything we have. It's not a matter of human treasure. We will eventually lose somehow, but a matter of when we lose it. In contrast, I, I like to think of this, and if you've been in my classes, you probably get tired of hearing this, but I spend, we spend half of our lives getting stuff and the other half getting rid of it. Yeah, I see some noddings there. Some of us hold on. This woman held on, and several years ago, construction workers were uh, laying a foundation for a building outside of Pompeii. And they found a skeleton of a woman, evidently had been caught in the, in the lava, in the burning uh, lava out of Mount Vesuvius. Here were her bones, but she had jewelry in her hand. The jewelry was intact, but her body was gone. She was gone, but yet the treasure she gave her life for was still left her here on earth. It would be, uh, make sense to invest in what we ultimately and would ought to me 
and ought to realize and make it last. You know, most of the time we go out and look at something, I'll, I'll pay a little more for that because it's going to last. The car, the house, the clothing, ladies, especially clothing. And we find that out that we do that. But the alternative says, Jesus says, puts, don't put your hopes in something that's not going to last. And the things on this earth simply don't last. Jesus says simply to invest in things of eternity. You can't take it with you. How many times have you heard that? You can't take it with you. But you can send it ahead. You can send it ahead. But, but how do we send it ahead? By investing what is and what will last. Realizing that everything is God's anyway. And then by using our money, serve him through giving to the church. Like this one. And strategically visiting and using all that we have for God's kingdom in giving to the poor, giving to those for education, giving to those that do not know Jesus Christ and enjoy the freedom and the, but just the freedom of knowing Jesus and his salvation. Jesus made the statement again, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus says our whole life will follow. Our whole life will follow what we treasure. What absorbs our attention will shape our entire lives. Choose carefully. Choose carefully where your treasure is because it will shape your heart in ways you can't imagine. There's two sides of that. If you give in to the church, and you're giving to the church and giving to good causes that are of Jesus Christ. You feel good because you're carrying out the commandment of Jesus Christ and being the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. And someone said, what you think about all day long, you become. I remember when our daughter, our first daughter was not too old, but she had to have sweets taken care of her. And we were talking about this scripture for some reason. I don't even remember the reason. I just remember her response. She says, I'm going to become a chocolate donut. <laughs> I said, no, that's not what this means. So we came back and talked about it more. So choose carefully what your treasure will be. Because it shapes your heart. No way you can imagine. Your heart will always follow what you do with your money. There's a Mary, uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones says this, I do not cling to things. They do not become the center of my life and existence. I do not live for them or dwell upon them constantly in my mind. They do not absorb my life. On the contrary, I hold them loosely. I am not governed by them, rather do I govern them. And as I do this, I am steadily securing and safety, laying up for myself treasures, 
treasures in heaven. I was very pleased, very proud, and you shouldn't be proud, but I was. 11 years old, I, my mother purchased me for my Christmas a very beautiful, brand new piano, a piano that I still have this day. So do the math on that, people. It's an old piano. It's still a beautiful piano. But my husband was in the service, and we traveled quite a bit. And I would agonize when they would move that piano. I said, now, be careful with that. Don't do this. Don't the music stand on the front. Be sure you take it off. Don't tip it over on its front legs because they'll break. Well, it got to be a joke when we moved to Kingsville many years later. The guy came out, and I didn't realize I had made such a deal about moving my piano. And he said, oh, we forgot the piano. Well, I went, oh, no, you didn't. He said, no, ma'am, no, ma'am, I promise you, we have the piano. But as I've gotten older, that piano is still a great thing to me. And I appreciate what my mother sacrificed for it and how much I enjoy continue to still playing it. But it doesn't mean to me what it did then because it's just a thing. It, too, will pass. You have to choose what you treasure. Now, we have two perspectives, a bad eye and a good eye. But Jesus gives us uh, two other polarities of when we think about that. He says you'll have a bad eye or a good eye. Now, this one's just a little hard to understand. So if you wear glasses, usually we have a couple of optometrists in the, in the service. But if you wear glasses and you get them smudged or you forget, do you ever forget to clean your glasses? Yeah, my son used to do that. Say, I can't see, I can't see. Well, clean your glasses. So I'm not sure that whether he wanted a new pair of glasses or he just didn't pay attention, his glasses were dirty. I put drops in my eyes, and sometimes it, for just a few minutes, my eyes are fuzzy. Well, that's what Jesus says. Our vision, our vision is marked because we cannot see things clearly for whatever reason. Our vision is clouded. We need to think a certain standard of living is our vision by greed, and it will ruin your life if you let it. But there's an alternative to seeing clearly. Generously, being generous will free you and help you see the world most clearly. You have to choose. I feel like this when I was working on this sermon <clears throat> last night. <laughs> And by the way, I didn't just start working on the sermon. I didn't know about it till yesterday, okay, till last night. But I, I kept, I was kept thinking, generosity. I don't know a group of more generous people in this church than the people in this church, and I've been associated with it other than a brief time when I went away for three years, for 30 years. And that's saying a lot for this congregation. And there's one more uh, polarity, serving God or serving money. And again, that's when we talked about the two masters. You can't serve two masters. We all know that there are consequences uh, that come with making decisions. 
good or bad. Jesus is blunt. Most of the time in speaking, he was blunt. He didn't have time to beat around the bush. God and money are giving us two contradictory sets of instruction. Money is promising happiness and calling for self-centered living. God is calling us to serve him and to serve others and to hold on to stuff loosely. You have to choose. We can't listen to both. We cannot do both. And there are consequences to each choice. Will God rule your life or possessions? That's basically what it comes down to. Which one's going to call the shots? The answer, the direction of your life will depend wholly on this, no matter how old you are or how young you are. So make your choices carefully. If you have not done that up to this point, you can do that now. Start doing that. Listen. This passage is not hard to understand. It's hard to give in to, isn't it? Because we have to give our heart to God. But the truth is the happiest people on earth are giving people. Once we understand that we're giving God back some money to do his work that he has called us generously to do, invest in God's economy. In Malachi 3, verse 10, it says, when it, anyway, we won't go in the background, but Jesus said, bring your tithes and offerings into the storehouse, which they hadn't been doing. And test me, test me that I will not bless you far greater than any money you gave. I may, I may get corrected later on, but that's the only place I know biblically that it talks about testing God. And he said, test me with your money. I, um, quite a few years ago, I saw a little leak around in my garage, and I took my car in very quickly, and I just ran by a brake check, and they looked at it. I don't know what was wrong with it, if I drive a shaft, whatever, whatever that thing is. I know the engine makes it run, and you have to put gasoline in it. Other things, I take it to, I take it to the mechanics to do that. He said, ma'am, get this car to the dealer right away. And I said, okay, well, that frightened me when he said take it to the dealer when they couldn't fix it. Well, a plastic bag had wrapped around something, driving shaft or whatever. And the man at the dealership told me, he said, I'm so glad that you got this here early or it would have really caused you a problem and being very expensive for you. Well, at the point, it did cost me $600 to have a plastic bag removed, and I never see a plastic bag that I don't think of that on the roads. <laughs> but the main thing is, oh, it, was, it was close to payday, and, and I really didn't have $600 to spend. I could have taken out someplace, but I was kind of worried. Well, I won't go into the next story, but I opened my mailbox the next day, 
and because of an uh, earlier investment when probably I was 21 years old. There was a check for $602, whatever it was, it was $2 more than I needed. I, God maybe thought I needed gasoline to get back down there, I'm not sure. But it was repaired, but God gave me. He doesn't do that all the time for me. Maybe he makes me wait for a while. But I turned it over to him. I turned it over to him. And I said, I'm not going to worry about this. You're in charge. And that's why Jesus gives us this second principle, because the first one will not work alone. If we're really going to flourish financially and be able to give, it tells trust God for it. Jesus gives a clear command in verse 25. Don't be anxious. Jesus repeats this three times in the passage. Don't worry about money. Money, and worrying about money is not a new problem. And what, what does worry do? When, when I was in clinical pastoral education, we used to do what they call theological integrations, which is just a term that means we got together with the people that we're taking uh, the training with and also some outside professionals. And we come up with a, a thing theologically and we talk about it, not really to solve it, but the one I brought is worry a sin. And once I worked on that, I realized, yes, it is, because worry immobilizes us. And if we're immobilized, we can't do anything else. So worry to me is a sin. I have to work daily on that. Why shouldn't we worry? We could look at this passage for weeks when we're talking about worrying about money. One practical thing is there are two big theological reasons or three reasons not to worry. Number one, it doesn't do any good. Number two, God provides. Number three, God cares. The best two reasons to trust God in our lives. Answer to when we talk about money. What do you know about God to be true? And Jesus tells us the true truth and take away all anxiety if we really grasp him. Number one, God provides. Just like it said in the scriptures for the lilies, for the birds, how much more he cares about us. God provides. Jesus points out that God has a pretty good track record. Wouldn't you agree? If you've read the Old Testament and all the things he provided, even this scripture that he gave, it's the same way in our church. You see, this church, I believe, someone correct me, scream it out, I don't care, I started in uh, Brown's Elementary School in the late 70s or early 80s. And it was a church plant that didn't, really, when they started, didn't really have a pastor for a few days. Then they got Carl Rolfs as a pastor. Then they grew so much they had to go someplace else. Then they built a building over on Saratoga. Outgrew that one and built this building. God provided. 
God provided for the faithfulness of his people. The faithfulness that people gave their tithes and their offerings to help others know about Jesus Christ and his salvation. God has provided that for us in the past. He will in the present and he will again in the future. The other big reason that Jesus gives us, as I said, is he cares. And if you read this, you will know how much he cares to ward off anxiety, to give us peace about our finances, to show us his love. And I guess the basic message is this. What attitude should we have toward money? Don't trust yourself, but trust God. Trust in God. And don't build up treasures. We have a choice. We can treasure money, and our lives will, can be consumed by it. We may get the money. We may get a lot of money. But eventually, we will lose it all. Or we can just suffer the one that lost everything for each of us. And that's Jesus Christ. Poor as he was. He spread the good news, the gospel. He loved us so much that he went to the cross and suffered, not only physically but spiritually. He was separated from God while he was on that cross because of the love he had for you and has for me. Should he not expect us to do for others? Because he tells us in Matthew, Basically, be his hands and feet in this world. To be his hands and feet to spread the gospel. To teach our children. Teach those that know nothing about God are lonely, hurt, abused. And our ministry here at Asbury, the community of Corpus Christi and all around the world, the one who lost everything for us. We can pursue him as our greatest treasure. In the meantime, he will provide everything we need as well. So I ask you these questions. What will it be for you? Treasures won't last on this earth. What will it be for you? Are you going to continue to serve the world? That's what happens when we build up so many treasures. Are we going to invest in the eternal things that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ gave us the salvation to be part of his plan? He left us all here to do his work. He said, my job's done, it's up to you guys. My job's done is to spread the word, it's you. 
what will your decision be? I don't know. We constantly have to work at it, or at least I do. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.